To me, magic is hope. It's joy. It's pure, pure passion. It's a feeling that we can create a better earth. It's the sparkle behind people's eyes. Magic is that secret ingredient to getting through those tougher days, and it's the thing that makes dreams actually seem possible. Welcome to an absolute passion project of mine, a collection of conversations telling the stories of people making magic real. And welcome to episode six of Making Magic Real. I am so, 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 so excited for today's episode with Dean and Honey. Dean and Honey are both passionate, passionate people and dedicated to permaculture and just like really making a positive impact on this world and for the earth and for the people. And yeah, I just can't wait to share this conversation with you like it was even I relearned so much even just editing it as I was like re-listening through it so yeah I think you'll get a lot out of it we're going to be jumping into suburban permaculture and how you can apply those design systems to your local area and also how to connect with your local community and why that's so important as one of the really I guess like bridging steps to creating this kind of like new earth or new way of living which I just find so exciting and yeah I can't wait for the day that you know like suburbia like where well where I live now too like where we'll be able to have an actual community network and you know be able to swap like certain veggies and like well for bread and eggs and you know everyone's skill sets will complement each other and Oh, it just makes me so excited thinking of like being able to just actually, you know, we're already living in a community and releasing that play out in the future, I think, yeah, it's going to be just so much fun. So yeah, I don't, I feel like, yeah, I don't want to do too long an intro today because I'm really excited to jump in. We have quite a depthy chat and yeah, I hope, really hope you enjoy it and let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Dean and Honey, to episode six of Making Magic Real. I'm so excited to be sitting in the cosy caravan. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the cosy caravan. Yay. Welcome. It's so nice to have you here. So I met Dean and Honey through my search for finding a permaculture course. <laughs> I had originally messaged, I was like looking for a permaculture course. I was like, where am I going to go to do this? And I'd gone onto the Pura Vida Organics website, and which is a kombucha, um, what would you call it? Business? Com- wow. Business, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is that word? That's so simple. <laughs> kombucha Corporation. Conglomerate. <laughs> <laughs> a kombucha business. But you also had weekends where you're doing like permaculture intros. And I had messaged you being like, hey, I'm really keen to do this. Like, do you have any spot? And you replied being like, oh, that's actually from like a couple of years ago. But my friend Sam has one. Like, he's doing one in Northern Rivers and that's how I met Sam from episode three and then when I'd got back from doing the permaculture course I ran up to the Pure Vida Organics like kombucha market store and I was like to Yvonne which is Dean's mum was like thanks so much for recommending the course like I went and did it and it was amazing and she was like oh actually like that was Dean who'd recommended that like he's super into permaculture and then after that we got to meet and I got to meet both of you for the first time Mm. when you came over to our house and we're doing like a skill swap and you two did like a permaculture consultation and then I did like a little art workshop. But I mm. love that was like our first in-person interaction mm. and I yeah. feel like, yeah, I just feel like all our souls really familiar. Mm. Like I feel like I've just known you for a long time mm. too. Yeah. 
That was such yeah. a lovely day. Yeah. 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 And when Yvonne was um, just like describing you, I was like, oh my God, this chick sounds amazing. <laughs> and then we walked up to her house and it was so lovely. It was yeah. the nicest day. And your family was so beautiful. And yeah, yeah it was lovely. It's just really wholesome. <laughs> it was so yeah, wholesome. That was the best permaculture design I've ever done. Yeah. We left with a piece of artwork and a, and a loaf of bread. Yeah. <laughs> and that was our payment. And it was the best feeling ever. And the ever. art class. And the, and the art class, yeah. which, happened, which happened a month or so later. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just, actually, yeah, it's such a nice connection. I'm so grateful for that. Mm. So before we dive in today to what you both are doing, I'd love to know how you both met mm. and when your paths first crossed. Wow, it's a good story, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll start, I guess. We met at a regenerative agriculture school in the Northern Rivers called Conscious Ground. Yeah, Honey had been working there for a couple of months and then I came along as the new volunteer. <laughs> And uh, fresh rest, meat. Yeah, fresh meat. <laughs> fresh meat. <laughs> and he's like, ooh la la. Hello, ooh, no one new volunteer in town. Yeah, and we, we were both in relationships that had just previously ended quite mm. quite soon and um, yeah we got together it's a kind of uh, there's a little bit more to it it's kind of funny um, <laughs> we'd been on the farm for a month together and we didn't we both didn't notice each other and then I went away to a breathwork course and obviously expanded somehow and raised my vibration because when I came back honey started noticing me and <laughs> Um, took quite a keen interest and I think a few days later we, we hooked up and um, yeah. Yeah, when he came back, besides expanding your spiritual consciousness, he shaved his beard and I was oh. like, oh, like who is that? <laughs> it's probably just the beard. <laughs> and my friend Sophie's like, that's Dean, like he's been here for months and I was like, what? Like, I don't remember him. I would have seen him before. Yeah, I would have noticed him but then, yeah, it went. Went kind of yeah beelined for the fresh meat and um, I actually yeah, love success. that yeah <laughs> I love when people there's certain people in your life where you won't see yeah. and then when you meet and connect you're like how do we not meet before and you like line up your life path mm. and you're like you cross so many times but the universe like no not yet yeah. like yeah go to yeah. your breath workshop and yeah. then come back yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. really do yeah think that there's something in that. that People yeah. having a vibration or a vibe or something and you're attracting each other. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. you're ready for different people. Yeah. And that was two years ago. Oh, that wow. was two years ago now. And we lived yeah. in a bell tent for a week <laughs> and then we moved into a chicken shed and yeah. we stayed there for about a year yep. together. And the yeah. chicken shed actually had chickens in it. There was like oh, 400, literal. Yeah, we 400? Had 400 baby chickens we in the shed that we lived in. We partitioned the room oh. off with... Um, <laughs> cardboard and plastic <laughs> and tape so like half of the room was yeah baby chicken hundreds of baby chickens and then we had the other half yeah. did you ever like just like if you want a little bit of a cuddle like go in and just get a little baby chicken and make a yeah. little one. Oh my god they were so cute because yeah. we, we would get them at, at day old so they were actually like little marshmallow peeps do you guys get peeps no. Oh, it's an American A marshmallow peep, and I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> just, it's yes. an American marshmallow that looks like a little chick, and you eat them around Easter. Anyways, oh yes, my God. we would cuddle uh, the babies. Like I'd love to know, like, a bit about each of your own journeys as well and, like, how you came to having permaculture in your life. But before we go into that, would you like to give a little, like, definition or meaning of what permaculture means to you or what suburban permaculture means to you? Mm. 
yeah permaculture to me feels like a uh, a way forward in our society in our civilization with ecological soundness or correctness or doing things that are in line with the greater ecosystem and the ecology of our planet yeah it feels like a way of moving away from our extractive resource process and bringing it back into a harmonious balance with with all life on the earth um and the suburbs feel like such a perfect way a perfect place to start we all live in the suburbs and the infrastructure is here the houses the water there's so much space to grow food so much roof space to catch mm. water and solar and yeah we're basically living in in big communities albeit a bit disconnected with our yeah. fences and whatnot but if we can start to uh, break down those barriers and yeah, that might be one of the biggest barriers in the suburbs is the social structures and our communication with our neighbours yeah I love that and I love because not everyone like we all don't have the option to just go out and be like we're gonna go live like three hours away from the city mm. and like buy a big block of land mm. and a lot of people are tied down to their homes with <coughs> mortgages so it's incredible you can give people a bit of a way to like use what they have Mm. in the best way possible yeah yeah I think for me like I really agree with this idea of like we can create a community anywhere that we are Mm. like I remember I remember when I was um I grew up in New York and I would look at these apartment buildings and they're you know they're like they look like they're a mile high you know and it's just actually just people on top of people on top of people on top if you remove all of the walls it's just like wow that's actually just like a giant chunk of humans but none of them can see each other really like it's just I've never thought about it like that I know like if all the walls dissolved you're actually so close to other humans all the time and it's the same in the suburbs it's just like wow this fence that's right there and right there is disconnecting our yard from these other yards but if we connected them we would actually just be engaging with these other humans so often yeah Yeah. and yeah another another thing that's really interesting was dean was describing how this is like the future of our civilization but i also i think it's really the past of Mm. our civilization more than anything for me is like the foundation of permaculture is indigenous um practices like agricultural and living practices so the way that they would govern themselves and the way that different yeah different peoples would utilize the the plants that were natively growing for me it is about that kind of going back in time and living Mm. more simply off of the land i think that's really important to acknowledge anytime that permaculture is talked about is that you know bill mollison and david holgram didn't create permaculture yes they they put it into a beautiful um package a package yeah Yeah, that that western minds that the western mind can understand Mm. but it's all 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 based on indigenous um practices yeah yeah and so and ecological functions totally mm. totally based on like the most ancient thing that we have which is this planet I yeah guess, as, as a civilization it's based off of the observation that these humans had of natural systems beautifully put yeah i completely agree if you'd like to chat about individually your life so far and i guess how permaculture did come to being such like a consuming part of your life mm. and if there was any like really big points in your life that were really like a massive catalyst for change so whoever would like to go first, cool. Dean. Yeah, I'll just put my hand up. Yeah. Yeah, so I went to high school and I finished high school. I didn't quite finish high school, finished an early, a year early because um, I really disliked it and was mm. was struggling there. And I thought the workforce would make me happier, but which it didn't. Yeah, I was struggling there, feeling isolated and disconnected from my friends 
Yeah, I guess I was searching for something. I, I wasn't sure. I felt like I only had been given sort of one pathway when you leave mm -hmm. high school. It's like into the workforce. So I did that for two years. I did a boat building apprenticeship, which made, cool. me, made me deeply upset, actually. Um, Why? <laughs> That's so random to you. I love yeah, it came up. Um, there was actually a, a really awesome super yacht business which came to Newcastle and they oh. had job opportunities. So, And I liked carpentry and I liked working with wood. But I like all that stuff, but doing it for eight hours a day, five days a week, mm. it just the whole work model felt like a shock to my system and I was a bit like gasping for breath, like what the, yeah. hell, is, what the hell is this life? And yeah. <laughs> I was looking towards the tradesmen as, the as what I was training to be and I was like, they look deeply miserable and that's not who I yeah. want to be what am I training for <laughs> to become them so I was very lucky that I had um, really supportive parents and they saw me struggling in that job and they yeah supported me to um, save some money and go traveling so I went so I went mm. traveling I did a snow season in Australia first I, I, I really love snowboarding and surfing there's was some they still are but more so in my younger years I was really passionate about them so I set off traveling uh surfing and snowboarding basically cool. and partying I guess that was another, <laughs> another passion at the time um back in the day, that was like a decade I would say because that was about 19 I was I went to Canada when I was 18 yeah. um, and I was in North America for a year and a half and then I came home for six months and made some more money. I went to South America for a year and a half mm. and then I flew back home with the intention of going back to South America after I'd made some more money. Uh, I'm very privileged to be able to do that, come mm. home and make money for a few months and be able to set, up, set sail for, for an extended amount of time. And it was that time I came back, I, I think I was... Becoming interested in trees and plants. I think mm. in my time in South America, I actually got to see fruits growing on trees, which was cool. something new to me, which I didn't feel like I'd seen in Australia <laughs> for some, some weird reason. But it seemed like everyone there, I guess the people in South America do mix more with nature, I guess, because... Yep of economic reasons and yeah other reasons and I was starting to become interested in trees and plants and how I could provide for myself and I think that was my big driving force was like okay I'm going to need to support myself one day and I had probably naively was thinking I'll just live off the land yeah. it'll be sweet I'll just know learn how to grow my own food and build my own house and I'll be off grid and I think that was like my first sort of driving force yeah and then I got invited to a natural building course and there I met some amazing people. From there I went and did a permaculture design course in Thailand. I sort of mixed my travelling with my permaculture. And I think it was like it was all, all around that time, um, but particularly at that two-week course, I got exposed to the problems of the world, I guess, mm. for lack of better words. Like we were watching documentaries or um, at night after we'd finished our course in the day and there were things like we watched one on water like the water, um, big corporations buying all the rights to water in different places mm. and um, making it unavailable to local people and just all of these um, all of these ecological blunders that the humans were, were creating and mm. I think that that was when I was like shit, this permaculture is actually super important to get us out of this mess mm. and this is like, it just, it all made so much sense. The concern for keeping those the ecosystems intact is the last thing that is considered yeah from there it kept it just kind of kept rolling from that I, I did more short courses I volunteered and um, woofed with um, different organic farms and permaculture people what's your most memorable 
like permaculture farm you've probably been at? I think probably probably where me and Honey met in Conscious mm. Ground was a was a huge yeah really big experience. As in, I had a bit of I had quite a bit of experience coming to that place. So yeah, I was I was given responsibility, and it was like probably the first like real deal proper project which had money behind it, mm. and they were really going they and they still are there doing this um really creating a model with systems in place that can be replicated out into the world yeah just really inspiring people with a lot of experience and knowledge and so much enthusiasm for for making the world a better place using permaculture that's incredible yeah I think too, I find it really interesting because like, yeah, you finish school and then a lot of people like they go to uni or go to work and do wonder why we feel lost because like the options we're given is like, hey, you can go to work and, you know, go to uni. But we know deep down like how disconnected from nature we are and we know deep mm-hmm. down, like you said, like how broken the systems are. But so, yeah, it doesn't feel quite purposeful just like doing these other jobs. Like something mm-hmm. just doesn't sit right deep down and be like, I can't pin it. We're given those two options, right? You yeah. join the workforce or you go to uni yep. and there's nothing else. And we don't see all of the options that are out there. Mm. I think the pressure was really on for me, for sure. Yeah, There wasn't a single person in my graduating class in high school that just didn't go to school. Yeah. We all went to uni. We all just did it. Yeah, maybe there was one person that didn't, but, but you're like, oh, but he probably bye. told us that he was going to school, you know? Yeah. Like, it's crazy to think about. And that's super, you know, obviously yeah. super privileged. Yeah, would you like to share your life journey? And yeah. then, yeah, what you did at uni when you went to uni yeah. and all those things. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> well, yeah, Dean, thank you for your story. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love story time. Yeah, I love story time too. <laughs> um, I had a pretty different upbringing. I was raised in a really religious environment. Um, my parents are part of, um, oh, I don't know. Yeah, just a, a very strong religious peace movement which is really cool it's filled with like these amazing humans so I was raised in a really diverse environment um it's a global religious peace movement so I had people from like Korea and Japan and India and everywhere living like in my house basically (laughs) (laughs) I grew up with a lot of humans from all over the world so I was really lucky for that and I think that diversity has shaped me in a big way and because of the movement my parents were big travelers so I got Mm. to travel a lot as well growing up and um, that was something that I was really lucky to have experience with with traveling but anyways yeah I graduated from high school and like I said like you just went to university there Mm. wasn't any other option like that's just what you did I went for a year and then um, then I dropped out Because I was like, what the fuck? Like, I am paying all this money, like, out of my pocket. University is super expensive in America. Like, I'm paying all this money, and I have no idea what I want to do in my life. Mm. Like, I just have no clue, actually. Um, That was a really big deal for everyone in my life, but... Yeah. Do you have to, like, announce it? Like, like a big... Oh no, it was like I kept it secret until like the final moment until like I really had to tell you all. Like I remember my roommates in college, like they um they came to visit me and like at my at my home for a summer break and they came and they were like, Oh, like how should we set up the room and stuff like that? And I was like, Well, I'm actually not going back. I'm so sorry, without guys. me. <laughs> sorry guys. And they were so 
so pissed. Anyways, that was a long time ago. Um, I dropped out and I actually ended up joining the religious movement that I was raised in because I had yeah. left when I was about 13 so that I could like drink and party and date and stuff like that because <laughs> you can't do that in the in the religion I was raised like, in. Like, yay, freedom! <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, nah, <laughs> I hate rules. Um, so I actually rejoined it when I was 18, the after the first year of college. And I spent two two years kind of like in the I guess like the youth program where we traveled around and we did community service and stuff like that and it was amazing for me but also pretty traumatizing it was Mm. it's a very very strict religion and really harsh it can be a really harsh place so that was like a massive turning point for me and I think I learned a lot of life life lessons there anyways yeah that was what was the biggest one um I think, yeah, not allowing other humans to decide what you believe in. Mm. Like, that just has to come from you. It can't come from someone else. Yeah. I think, you know, people can give you inklings of ideas of what to believe. Like, mm. obviously, I love different spiritual teachers and stuff like that, and I and I take um, everything they say mm. um, with a grain of salt, Yeah, I think. And I, and think I think it's just, like, picking what resonates with you, and you're totally. like, I take that, and I don't take that bit. Yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. in, in the religion I was raised in, it's like, this is how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you believe, and this is what you do, and that's it. And I think at one point, um, I realized I can't live anyone else's equation. Like, mm. the equation we were talking about before was you go to school, you go to uni, you get a job, you get married, did it, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's all like kid, light out. Yeah. yeah. Retirement. <laughs> and I think that was the biggest one, where it's like, no, I'm actually going to make my own equation it's not even going to be math (laughs) (laughs) new language i made up (laughs) yeah and i think that was a really big that was a really big lesson for me is like just i have to create me um from like the deepest part of my being and it can't come Mm. from anything external Mm. so that's a big lesson for me after that episode <laughs> of my life, that chap being very, very religious in any ways, um, I rejoined the rat race, went back to uni, um, got normal jobs, felt like a... What did you do at uni? Um, I studied sociology, which was amazing. Mm. I really loved it. And I think, um, obviously, it's um, a profession that doesn't exist, sociology. <laughs> I guess you could be a professor <laughs> or a researcher, but... Um, it was mo- it was it was life changing for the way that I viewed humanity. I think because of my degree, I feel a lot of compassion in my mm, life. Yeah. It's the culture. It's the culture that shapes us in such a massive way. Mm. And I think like um, obviously no one's perfect, but yeah. you can be raised in a really healthy environment. Like I think I was raised in a really amazing environment, and I mm. think that has shaped me in a really positive way. I think you were as well. Oh, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Um, I think you were as well. Like, your parents are awesome, obviously. (laughs) Um, And you're a beautiful human. Um, Dean's parents are also awesome. But I've I've definitely met people who have just grown up in really toxic environments, and it's been really influential on the way that they behave in their lives. Mm. And I think, you know, you can hold people accountable for their actions, absolutely. Um, But I do think there's a a driving force of your identity that was formed when you were a child. Yeah. and that's largely because of the people that were around you and the culture that you were embedded with. Mm. Yeah. I'm almost a permaculture, I promise. I'm really oh, close. I'll get no to the permaculture. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long story. <laughs> um, right, 
re-entered the rat race, got my yep. degree. After I got my degree, lost again. Just like, mm. what the fuck was all that for? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, I just spent so much money that I'm going to have to pay. And I don't know what that was for. There's actually no jobs in sociology. <laughs> I have to get a master's degree to make any money. Keep going to uni. <laughs> keep going and keep spending more tens of thousands of dollars on your education. Oh, no, no. Sorry, rewind. Before I got my degree... Um, I was lucky enough to do a international exchange program. Mm. So I went to university in Thailand for about a year. And before I went to university, I went on a trip with a friend and she was a woofer. She started mm. to woof. She was like, I don't have any money. We're just going to go <laughs> work on these farms. I was like, I've never seen a farm before. She had never seen a farm before. <laughs> what is <laughs> farm? <laughs> what is farming? Um, and I ended, up on a, <laughs> I ended up on a farm permaculture farm in Thailand that was like the first thing that I did when I when I got to Southeast Asia was I woofed for about three months Mm. and um that was my first time ever growing anything Mm. (laughs) like Dean said um he had never realized that things grow on trees like things actually just don't grow in New York (laughs) they do (laughs) like fruit actually doesn't grow on trees in New York it's not true we grow a lot of apples but anyways yeah like Farming was not a part of my upbringing. So I got to Thailand and started woofing and was introduced to permaculture, mostly by this Thai man who didn't speak any English, which was amazing. (laughs) I ended up on this farm where the leader of the farm ran away with a young Chinese woofer and started a new farm (laughs) across the mountain or whatever. And he left his brother and his wife on this little permaculture farm. We heard about it through word of mouth, like in a hostel or something. We went. The wife spoke a little bit of English, but she worked all day at the hospital. And the brother didn't speak any English. And I stayed there for a month. My friend left. Do you just, like, sign language things? Like, point to things and, like... Fully. Use whole body movements? Yeah. And he he woke me up at 5 o'clock every day to start the fire and make sticky rice. And I had probably never really built fire before in my life. (laughs) And, um picked lychees and moved the cattle and planted rice and weeded so gardens, cool. learned how to use a whippersnipper. That was amazing. All this stuff, no English. <laughs> so I learned permaculture, but I didn't know it was called permaculture at that point. That was pretty cool. Um, and then I went to some other permaculture farms in Southeast Asia and learned mm. that I had actually learned permaculture. It's um, so cool, though, because it just, like, transcends language. It does. It yeah. totally does. And all of it just made so much sense. Mm. Like, oh, like every system on that farm I still think about today because it was mm. so pristine. It was amazing. It was such so a cool, cool farm. So I had that little snippet of permaculture and then went back to uni, got my degree and then was lost um, and then decided to get my yoga teacher training, do my yoga mm. teacher training in North Carolina. And there I met an Australian woman and she um, is a natural builder. And um, I met her and I was like, holy shit, whatever you are doing, that is what I need to be doing like in I want my some life. Of that. <laughs> I want whatever that is. Like, I need all of it. Like, where do you live? Can I just stand next to you forever? <laughs> Give me a really detailed plan of your whole life and I will copy can I get in the my own way. <laughs> everyone you know so that I can be friends with them. Like, she was just fucking onto it. Like, she's, she's still onto it. She's a really good friend of mine still. And I was like, I am going to Australia to live with you <laughs> and live your life, whatever it is. And um, yeah, she talked a lot about permaculture and natural building and, and all that, those kinds of things. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, that's exactly mm. what I want to be doing. But I don't have any money <laughs> and I can't fly to Australia because I have no money. <laughs> so there was a small detour, California, grew some marijuana, 
great time. <laughs> and then ended up following this woman to Australia in a very roundabout way. Oh, that's so cool. She introduced me to the director of Conscious Ground, and the rest is history. Yeah. So then I so I worked at Conscious Ground, which is yeah probably one of the biggest learning curves I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah, I'm super grateful for that long long journey yeah. <laughs> that's got me here today i yeah. just love hearing like we'll have a little bits match yeah. up yeah. yeah so recently you've officially launched a commute would you call it a community service or a business yeah love what community you, service yeah never called it that before but service, yeah community <laughs> service that we can make a little bit of money from. yeah like it's like <laughs> out of a living <laughs> so can maybe like make business from a community <laughs> True, I don't know, because I was like, it feels like a service, but you charge, like, people pay to come. I'll say what it is first, and you're like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so, Dean and Honey have officially launched Dean and Honey's Permaculture events, mm-hmm. and that's held mainly in Belmont so far, which is where they're living. But I'd love you, Dad, to tell us what it is and your why behind it. Like, what's mm. the driving passion force behind mm. this whole business venture slash service to the world? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so it's an event business we have our, our permaculture garden here which we're on a, a bit less than half an acre in the suburbs just outside of newcastle it's my parents house so we're living in the backyard in a caravan at the moment my nan and pop's caravan it's very lush it's really cute yeah <laughs> it's really nice definitely a nan's caravan yeah it's so cozy especially it's like so cold and it's just like ooh. Yeah. and you can see all like the little fruit trees and stuff so when i first was interested in permaculture i came home and shared it with my parents my mum was really into it and so we started gardening we started putting permaculture systems in here composting Mm. and building swales and whatnot our food forest here is about five years maybe five to seven years old something like that so yeah we've got a we've got a beautiful example of urban suburban permaculture here with our food um, and plant tree systems and the way that we catch water and compost and recycle our waste and all things like that that's one piece of it is like having this this beautiful model that we can showcase and then we do workshops so we do half day sort of workshop we'd love to do weekend workshops like couple day introduction to permaculture and potentially in the future we do a, a permaculture design course which would be a 72 hour Mm, course that'd be really cool yeah mm. do run yeah. it like every weekend or i don't know how it how it yeah. exactly it would look and do you have like is it growing your veggies coming up mm-hmm. soon? Is yeah, that this, weekend? yeah this weekend we yeah. have a um a how to grow veggies in your backyard workshop mm. so yeah it's all that's what it's about it's about sharing permaculture and skilling people up and inspiring people to take permaculture into their own lives and particularly i guess the suburbs as that's where we are and that's the the model that we have here but i mean the systems um and the models can be replicated into the rural and into bigger picture bigger landscape pictures as well and we'd love to invite guests presenters and facilitators here on on all things permaculture mm. and yeah it's really i guess another aspect of it is building community so having people coming to our events and connecting with each other and and having this as a bit of a, a hub for community crossover and connection and talking about issues and yeah really bringing people together I think that's something that's um we've been noticing or something that I've been coming into that awareness of of um to move forward on these ecological issues Mm. we need to band together to make new systems and Mm. also don't want to say it but like fight or 
or yeah, I think fight against these corporations or bigger yeah. systems that are being imposed on us. And I think they've managed, all these systems have managed to kind of play out, which we currently have, because the people, like, we are generally so separated. Like, mm-hmm. back in the day, the communities were so well connected. Yeah. Like, I was even thinking on the drive-in, because I was, you know, thinking about the questions in this <laughs> <laughs> chat, and I was just, like, reflecting even for myself where I live, because I live about half an hour, 40 minutes out of Newcastle, mm. And I honestly, I we know one. Fa- I I know one family where I live now, mm. and like I know quite a few people in Newcastle, but that's not my direct community. Mm. So like I'm essentially like living invisibly, like detached in this community where I spend every day, yeah. and like that's such a weird concept. And it's like, oh, we want to make change, but it's like, where? How do you even do that? from ground roots level when you don't know anyone in your yeah. direct community. Well, there's so there's nowhere to meet. There's nowhere to yeah. meet. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you don't feel like anyone else is doing it as well. Yeah. Like, you're the odd one out. And there's there's power in numbers. 100%. And yeah. there's probably so many people, like, living two doors down or three, door- yeah. three doors down that there. feel the same way. That feel yeah. the same, yeah. same values. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where the movement is going to happen. Yeah. It's like when we do break down those walls. I think, yeah, you definitely, like, everyone doing it individually and then it helps. Because, like, and playing to your skill sets too, like, you guys, like, like you just yeah. harvest a heap of, like, turmeric. Like, and, like, you might have a heap of that in abundance, but then someone down the road might have, like, old fig trees I've had for exactly. years and they're over in abundance. But, like, as soon as you have, like, 10 to 20 people with, like, an overabundance, maybe in, like, a couple of things each, then you can swap things and barter and then you're, like, automatically, you know, that group of 20 people isn't going down to the shops and buying food that's being, like, shipped over. Exactly. So I think, yeah. Exactly. individually together yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely needs to happen yeah mm. i think the i don't know almost like the opportunity of the climate crisis is this like necessity to mm. come together and restore these old ways of living mm. um in community sharing yeah. our abundance talking to one another um describing like what our fears are and coming up with as a collective with solutions mm. i think like we have such a capacity as a species to think and be creative yeah um but when you're doing it by yourself it's i don't know it's just not as momentous or it's not, not as, as fun not as fun <laughs> yeah. you're like i'm all alone yeah, in my all garden alone, working yeah. hard yeah. 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 in the suburbs we have this space to reconnect ourselves to nature it doesn't mm. look that way i think when you drive down the streets of the suburb and you see like lawn after lawn after lawn like you don't think of nature connection Mm. but i think like you can actually you can grow things there you can actually grow plants and feel so good about like tending to the earth you Mm. know like on these lot like on these lawns that don't look natural none of them look natural but you can like take a few little skills like learning how to plant a tree or learning how to plant flowers and flowers for bees Yeah, yeah plant flowers for bees like you know it could probably take like less time than maintaining a lawn yeah. to like grow some fruit trees and actually provide sustenance for yourself. Yeah. That's my that's my understanding and it's yeah. like yeah, just think about all the hours spent like fertilizing lawns <laughs> and mowing lawns, like cutting the grass and instead like you could actually just have an orchard or you mm. could have a bunch of flowers. Like a mini ecosystem totally. on your front garden. Yeah, yeah, like an epic little ecosystem that you can be a part of. Yeah. You can actually join your lawn <laughs> ecosystem, but you can't really when it's grass. Yeah. Like it's just not a very inviting... <laughs> I guess you can lie on it. I think humans have a... Um, 
there's something about lawns because I really mm. think that they represent like a clearing in the forest and like imagine being covered by trees and things all the time living in the forest and you'll come out to an open or a prairie and like mm. gather with people and mm. you've got this space and um, I think a safety thing too. Safety as well. Because you're like, if like predators, like not that, yeah. you know, predators, but you can see. You're like, okay, you can see I can far. see all around me. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that was a luxury that we didn't have so mm. much when we yeah. were more living um, in forests or things like that. It was mm. like we didn't have the luxury of seeing across a field. And mm. essentially, that's why I'm not sure. Yeah. That people love the lawn. The idea that anyone can go into their backyard, look at their lawn, and actually just take some of that mm. grass away and replant it even if you need it neat but replant it with something even replant in rows <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even in rows it's better than nothing anyway, anyone can go into their lawn and actually just remove that grass and there's actually dirt underneath mm. it that you can put plants into that can be like i don't know providing your family with really healthy organic produce yeah it's just amazing. Like, it's actually an incredible resource that everyone in this suburb that I can see has mm. access to. Mm. And if you don't have the time, like, a permaculture garden can actually just, I don't know, have, like, you don't need any time. Yeah, I feel like once the setup's seeds. done. Yeah. yeah. Once the setup, I mean, the setup does take time, <laughs> it's true, but then you just start chucking seeds. That's all you do. Yeah. I think something on that, like, time thing, and I think that that has been, I don't know, yeah, inherently built into this system that we live in because we do need to work. We do, like, house mm. prices and land price and resource uh, utility prices and all of these things. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that's if that's my conspiracy mind going <laughs> rampant or that, like, it has... Been, the system has been set up so we have minimal time i always feel like yeah. it does a little bit mm. yeah and i guess it's just like your perspective as well but like i definitely feel the system is like we are short on time even to connect with ourselves and then have time to connect in nature and when you can't check in with yourselves like check in with the earth or like grow your own veggies and grow your own food you just become more and more disconnected hence keeping that system running but I feel like as soon as you start to step into this or like doing these things in your garden more time seems to expand for it in a really weird way mm. totally. it's like something seems to reward you for being like no 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 like this is this is in alignment with like the earth will yeah. help you just keep moving more time for this yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, incredible what you two are doing. Mm-hmm. And Thank working you. together, so I obviously work, like, for myself in my business, but I always think it'd be nice to, like, work with someone. Like, that must be really mm-hmm. lovely to, like, you have that immediate bounce back of ideas. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I was bound back off mum and dad, but when I'm teaching my workshops, like, it's just me up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I kind of think it's nice, like, there's, like, two of you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, how do you find... When you're working together, what skills do each of you bring that like complement each other? And you can answer for each other if you'd like. I've got some things that I was thinking about. Yeah, Honey's really amazing at, at facilitation. I feel like that's one of one of your natural sort of skills that you've been gifted. It's funny to watch she gets more um, more outgoing and more louder and funnier. <laughs> so it's it really funny when you put her in front of a, a group of people like and I feel the opposite. I feel like shrinking into a small ball <laughs> going underground. Um so that's been awesome for me and to have someone to facilitate with 
um, has been awesome. Like, yeah, so good. I feel much more comfortable and like we're able to bounce off each other in that in that aspect of facilitation. I think Honey's also got some really awesome project management skills um, that you've picked up along the way. You said your parents were project managers for the whole of their life, so maybe that's rubbed off on you in childhood or something like mm. that. But yeah, they're, they're two things that I see from you that I'm learning, that I'm learning a lot. I love that project management side now, and I feel like mm. I'm getting p- quite good at it, if I would mm. say so myself. <laughs> um, and I really enjoy the, the management and uh, the planning and the, the debriefs and the uh, circles and all that jazz mm. to prepare for um, actual action. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about my skills or I can talk about Just silence. And he's like, oh. I can talk about my skills. As he passes the notes over of what I need to yeah. say about him. Um, no, I think, yeah, I really like um, your point of, like, working by yourself is one thing, but working with another is, like, a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do really, really like having another person to bounce ideas off of. Mm. I feel like it's, like, um, just the ability to... Cr- like almost like criticize yourself but that's not the right word kind of refining Uh, yeah exactly yeah not Mm. criticizing but yeah refining our process because we're constantly kind of talking about it and oh i really liked when we did that it was really cool when you said that Mm. um i'd like to do this and that and i think just having those like out loud conversations with someone else like helps me to like nut things out before they happen or after they happen but i do want to talk about your skills Uh, can i say something on that like i feel like i have so many doubts about what i'm doing or Mm. or how i'm going to do something or something like that so yeah it's really really helpful to be like hey i don't i'm not quite sure about this but what do you think about this and then we bounce ideas back and i hear a bit of confirmation and Mm. yeah Mm. i think the brainstorming sessions that we're having like all the time (laughs) we're just like constantly brainstorming it feels like and and refining and moving upwards yeah Yeah. Mm. it's nice you're both in the workshop because like it's like yeah. if I was just teaching a workshop, like no one from the class can sit down me after me. Like, you could do this, but yeah. you two are there to watch each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's really nice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like we do a lot of like practicing of curriculum yeah. or like ha- even having like a run sheet for the day and like, oh, maybe that could go there or whatever. And then after the fact, we'll say, all right, when I gave this lecture, what did you think about that? And yeah. Yeah, I think that part is amazing. But what Dean brings to the team. Dean <laughs> <laughs> brings to, to the team. <laughs> <laughs> I f- yeah, it's amazing because Dean has done a lot of the academic legwork in mm. terms of um, knowing how s- permaculture systems work and how to articulate those things where I feel more shaky on that side. Mm. Like I said, like I was taught by a man <laughs> who doesn't speak English. Like <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really know the why. Like <laughs> That's I can so explain funny. how I would do it. No. I mean, obviously, I can show you an interpretive I dance. <laughs> I can tell you in Thai yeah. how to use a whippersnapper. No, I'm no I, obviously, I've been surrounded by permaculture past that point. But I think, yeah. like Dean's done all of the cor- like he's just done the courses, mm. and I haven't, um, which is fine. But I think it brings a lot of doubt to my ability to teach permaculture in like a really assertive way. Mm. So I feel like I rely on Dean a lot for the technicality of how different systems work or like how permaculture would teach this specific thing because yes I can grow food but how would permaculture um kind of like 
explain that in a holistic way. I think, yeah, I really lean on Dean for a lot of a lot of that, for a lot of the academic stuff. I think you're a really good facilitator as well. Like I think because you've done the permaculture teacher training and things like that, like you have all these little like games and antidotes and metaphors for things um, that I, I just don't. I just don't have. I feel like that's an incredible skill that you have to like remember all these <laughs> like little games to <laughs> teach yeah. people how microbes work. Like, it's just yeah. amazing. Like learner-based learning is what it's called. What's like, it called? Yeah. Learner-based. Like, learner-based learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, like putting yourself in the perspective of the learner mm-hmm. and like how how do how do people learn? Basically, mm. how do they learn the best and how do they retain information? That's what that was um, a big revelation and uh, yeah, thing like the what the permaculture teacher training is really based around. Yeah, yeah, mm. which is really awesome. Also, that was really yeah. lovely. That was yeah. really like, yeah. cute. You're like, oh, <laughs> it's like nice to see it. It's very um, like how you two balance each other in skills, mm. and it's yeah. and I even saw that like play out when you both came into like the permaculture consultation, mm. like just even like what parts of information, like, where you'd balance each other mm. around thinking or, like, when you might be like, oh, can we put this here? But then you'd be like, oh, but how about mozzies? And, like, the ideas would just, like, really naturally bounce and flow until you came to a solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really, like, liked watching that process. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Awesome so for people, say, relatively new and they just want to, I guess, change, the like, the way they think a little bit or maybe they just want to get some, like, suburban permaculture things happening in their garden, what would be good bits of advice that maybe you wish you knew before that you would give to people? Um, great question. Yeah, we came up with a few oh, yeah. ideas. We actually looked at your questions and wrote down notes. Oh my goodness, yeah. Um, I actually love that you guys have notes. Like, yeah. Makes <laughs> <laughs> like, so like excited. I'm like, oh. thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think my favourite one that we talked about was um, just in the area that you live in. Mm. Like, does anyone have a garden? You know, like, can you walk down your street and think of anyone in the local area that is growing something whether it's like flowers like a like a rose bush or something like that you know like maybe ask them like how Mm. they're doing it or what Mm. they're doing or join them in the garden if you feel comfortable doing that like I think that's really interesting to connect with your community in that way like Mm. because people who grow things they are so proud of the things that they grow (laughs) like if someone's growing roses and you go over and you're like wow those roses are amazing how did you do that the person will probably, yeah, they'll definitely talk to you. hundred percent being someone who like loves to talk to people. Yeah. And so like, it's in spanning permaculture. As soon as you get talking to someone about like gardens or like plants, like oh, they're off. Yeah. And I love they're that. Off. I'm like, this yeah. is amazing. Keep telling me stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's, you know, it can be a journey growing yeah. a rose yeah. or growing a pumpkin. It can be a journey doing that. And I think it's really exciting to tell this story of growing that pumpkin or something mm, like that. I really love that. That's a really good tip. Yeah. yeah. So I, like, I promise you, one of your neighbours around wherever you're living is going to have something mm. that they're growing yeah. that they've put some love and care into. And it gives you, you know, it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone, like connecting with your community, but also maybe learning how to grow a rose mm. or a pumpkin or something like that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, we, yeah. like, the one family we know, Madawi, um, we had, we had like, garden catch-ups with them. So we Aww. went over and visited their garden, and they just literally went around and just told us every, like, about this, like, how long they've had things. And, yeah, yeah, and it's so exciting. Yeah. And then they're going to come over to ours and just, we're just going to tell them, look at these things. Yeah. And what did <laughs> you do like, when, when that happened? And, like, yeah. oh, can you grow cucumbers here? Or is it too cold? Like, there's so many little yeah. things that you can actually learn from the people around you because they've probably tried. Yeah. Especially the old people. 
old. Like, go talk to the old people because find the old people. <laughs> they've Tip got number the wisdom. Two. Yeah, they've handle the, the old people. They've got yeah. the wisdom. They do. Yeah. Yeah, community gardens also can be a great mm. place to connect with community and and learn. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think educating yourself, like doing courses. You can do courses online. You can find probably in your local area is the best because then it's going to be um, suited to your climate and yeah what's what's growing in your area um, but yeah permaculture design course I really really recommend doing one of those um, a two-week course or can be staggered over months but yeah thought that was so awesome to give you the real framework the systems thinking and and that's not so specific as like climatic things and nuances but that gives you like the real broad framework so then you can go into your own um, learning journey with that with that base foundation of, of knowledge and the internet as well there's so much so many books yeah. so many amazing books so many and like short films and stuff. Short yeah. films. There's like so many amazing like ten minute short films. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Just like on YouTube, you can just do like how to grow a bean. Yeah. And they'll be like. I still do that. Yeah. We yeah. do that all. We Google. Google. Yeah. That's actually the number one tip. Yeah. Google. Yeah. Totally. We do it all the time, and I think that was where I get, and it's still where I where I learn and um, cement knowledge into my body is like by yeah, going and reading something and then going and trying it in the garden mm. so having a space that you can do that whether it's your own or a friend's or a community garden mm. or something and then an, i think my favorite tip is just like growing one plant like just grow yeah. one you know if you just have a balcony like put your favorite herb in a pot or maybe google can i grow this herb yeah. <laughs> in this place at this time of year and um one plant is pot. a gateway that's all yeah. you need yeah and like when you master growing that plant then you can grow another one yeah. you know it, it's really yeah. about starting really slow and starting where you're at yeah. like if you've never grown anything before like give it a shot and be persistent with it like mm. i've killed billions yeah. of baby plants i have i've killed billions it's really <laughs> unfortunate to say that into a microphone but it's gotten me where i am now and now i have yeah. you know now i have the ability to grow, grow plants from the baby level to like the big edible level yeah i think diving yeah diving in and having a go and being persistent and you just you can't go wrong you're gonna mm. you're gonna get it one day thank you for some great tips yeah, yeah. couple of tips couple of tips and before I ask you about the future future, way off in the future, mm. I'd love to know, is there anything at the moment that you feel particularly passionate about that you'd like to have a little bit of a chat about or just like to share? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you like to go? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Um, so something that's come into our life recently, um, well, maybe not recently, but that we've become more involved with is, is activism. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's grown really, really close to my heart because it feels like we have no other choice mm. but to create justice for the planet. Like, there is absolutely 100% a climate crisis that is happening now, and it's been happening for years. Mm -hmm. And permaculture is actually not going to solve it if we don't stop the toxic system that mm. is in place at the moment. Unfortunately, permaculture is absolutely a part of the yeah. solution, and I feel like... We need to be doing permaculture, but we need to topple. We need to topple <laughs> and destroy industrial agriculture yeah. and, yeah, like, the corporate oppression of the climate. Mm. It's actually shameful what humanity is doing at the moment. Mm. And um, 
I feel the most purpose in my life at the moment contributing to yeah the end of the the way that we've been going like really the end of poisoning the earth Mm. because we're poisoning her that's what Mm. we're doing with and it doesn't make sense like when you like you there's like you just look at it and you look at the chemical companies and you look at the poison they're putting in it just doesn't make any logical sense to like how is this being passed on any level but then it does come back to money but money used in a toxic way so it is just again like another toxic system yeah mm-hmm. but yeah it's just mind-blowing that it's even yeah. allowed to happen they do need to be changed from the bottom and the top yeah exactly yeah. yeah like we were describing it it's like it's like two wings of the bird like um yeah. regenerative agriculture is and kind of like this n- i guess like new way of living mm-hmm. like we're kind of creating a new way of living based on the old ways is yeah. the way that i see it and that's one wing of the bird but the other wing of the bird is is actually just getting rid of yeah these toxic industries yeah these toxic industries just need to and because they're exploiting not mm-hmm. only the earth but it, humanity itself yeah. we're actually you know like in there's slaves that exist mm. on this planet and the earth is a slave as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So we've been lucky enough to be introduced to some incredible activists mm. who um, do something called nonviolent direct action. And that's basically where, you know, we're forced to make a stand with our bodies in these places like um, where they're logging native forests or where corporations are, uh, you know, building oil pipelines or mm. something like that and where in non-violent direct action you actually put your body in the way of those workers coming in and logging that forest mm. and so dean was just a part of an action just two days ago mm. where they stopped work for the day and yeah maybe you could talk about it if you want yeah so that was a native forest okay. um, called mogo state forest down on the south coast just yeah. outside of maria and the forestry corporation who's the state-owned business entity which um, does all the logging in the state forests in New South Wales and potentially the other states as well. They were uh, logging a forest down there, which was burnt in last year's fires really badly, mm-hmm. um, so lost a lot of animals and a lot of habitat, and that's one of, the, that's one of the reasons that people are feeling very passionate about that forest and the logging to stop mm. down there. But it's also just recognising that we can't lose any more forests. Mm. Like, the forest has, has such a... In, is such an integral piece to our larger ecosystem. Um, just for an example, like bring the hydrological cycle and bringing um, the ocean evaporation and pulling it over the land and the evaporation coming up from the forest and moving that moisture in clouds further inland. Mm-hmm. So as we start to take the forests away, we're also creating desertification. And we're mm-hmm. also and we're and we're seeing that now, like in in Western New South Wales and around the world, it's not something that's coming in the future. It's happening now. Yeah. It's and when you say desertification, in case people aren't familiar with that, yeah. uh, what does that look like? It's like turning um, green landscapes that have plants and vegetation and moisture. Um, like rivers and moisture being held in the actual land that's when the yeah when the rain stops because of those forests and that hydrological system stopping yeah the plants dry up and die and then there's nothing holding the soil together and then the wind can blow and uh, Mm. come and take all the rain or when it does when the rain does come if it does come will wash all of that nutrient dense soil into the rivers and into the ocean and then Mm. and that's 
essentially turning that land into a desert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the big movement and that's the big whys for me behind the forest, saving the native forest. And Would that, you like to share to perhaps like the organisations that you work with with that? So if people want to like join mm. or perhaps who you yeah. learn through? Cause, and you also yeah. went up to one in Queensland too, didn't you? Yeah. 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 yeah so that was the Stop Adani protest yeah. that's happening up in <clears throat> in northern Queensland. Yeah. And so there's a uh, one of the biggest coal mines in the world that's mm. Being created in northern Queensland, we went up to do a non-violent direct action up there, yeah. and um, yeah, it's just it's actually absurd what mm. is happening in that part of the world. Like there's just coal mine after coal mine after coal mine after coal mine up in that area, and they're yeah just creating so much toxicity in the groundwater and clear mm. felling thousands of kilometers of of habitat of wildlife habitat I yeah mentioned yeah, the great barrier reef that they're essentially having to to move and destroy to have big ships coming through there and why is and that just necessary disrupting endangered native yeah. species just constantly and yeah you do sometimes you do a protest and the government says yeah we're going to change that policy but money can be louder than those mm. words sometimes and they can find a loophole yeah. Which yeah. is really unfortunate. Um, but recently there's been a lot of wins with the Adani protests. That's and good. Yeah, which is amazing. And it's yeah. amazing to see what protesting really can do mm. in terms of, yes. Changing policy. Changing and, policy. And, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah, stopping things going through. It has a lot of history of making big change. And so the idea around some of the protests that we do is really like about informing the local community of what is going on in their yeah. local forest because a lot of the time it is illegal mm. and a lot of the time it is like extremely disruptive not only to the wildlife but to the human life. So in terms of bushfires becoming more um, more prevalent in areas that are logged, yeah. the toxification of the groundwater, mm. like all of those things the community might not even know is happening. So yeah. when you do a protest then the media comes and covers it and mm. you realise, oh my God, that's happening in my back door. Like, mm. I need to go do something about that. So um, it's incredible to see, like, the the local communities that come through after one of these protests happen and, you know, and fight their local governments or, or councils mm. yeah. for a policy change. And um, another organisation that we've been working with, so new, we're, we're new members to the group, Forest Defence New South Wales. And you can find them on Facebook. Yeah. And they do a lot of amazing work saving the forests in New South Wales and even getting connected to the other states as well. Cool. Yeah. Do One that. like kind of light bulb thing for me lately, which is connected with the activism uh, work that we've been getting involved in. Yeah, this idea of like the larger corporations or the bigger system um, putting the the onus back on the community like mm. oh you need to you need to compost or you waste or you need to start using metal straws or like you need to reduce your water usage reduce your water yeah. usage yeah. and all this kind of stuff which which is like is definitely important and definitely things that we should consider and question and, and act upon but when you're like we catch our grey water here in a 25 litre bucket and mm. like, you know, we I feel pretty proud about <laughs> free, free and, I ha and happy, I love it. I love reusing that water on the fruit trees. But when the mine down the road is sucking like megalitres, yeah. millions of megalitres of water out of the groundwater every year, I'm just like trying to put this in the scale. Yeah, um, and they're not being capped and then it's not even, and then certain things like they're not even coming to our own country, like they're shipping it overseas, which is using more energy. Mm. So it's yeah. like, why should 
I guess, too, it's, like, that scarcity frame that the society's put in. Like, I really yeah. loved, I think it was in a permaculture course, Sam used that example of, like, we're told on a ground level from above, stop using so much water, stop yeah. doing this, stop yeah. doing that, turn your lights off. But they're running riot, leaving all their lights and doing all their things. Mm. But he's, like, that's enforcing scarcity onto the community when really it should be about abundance and, like, how can we create abundance and how yeah. can we have our own mm. water, like, systems... How are we allowed to collect more water? Yeah. So it was set up. Like, yeah. it's like creating abundance. Yeah. And then, yeah, they should maybe stop putting your crap in the water supplies so yeah. we can use it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's really interesting. It is. Mm. And yeah, and, it, and I think, like, for me, I had a, a similar light bulb moment to Dean. I was listening to a podcast, and this environmentalist was listing, like, the top five things that you can do to prevent climate change. And I thought they were going to be like composting, collecting your green water, but they weren't at all. Like it was totally like join a local conservation group, join a local climate justice yeah. group, join an right into your MP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right to the yeah. coal mine down the ro- road that is sucking millions of megaliters mm. of water out of the ground. And we're worried about the 25 <laughs> gallon bucket of grey water you yeah. know, that we use a day, you know, between the two of us. And it's actually, no, we need to freaking point our fingers back Mm. at the people that are doing the major damage and hold them accountable for what they're doing. Change the policy and the regulations on logging and the coal steam gas industry and all those different Mm. toxic industries, you know, as a whole, if we can regulate them to a larger degree, that's what's going to shift us in, mm. in a better direction. Um, I think that ties very nicely into what's your biggest, wild, wildest vision for the future? The end of climate crisis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah. question. Yeah, I thought about the question. It's mm. not, I don't know, it doesn't maybe seem so wild, but um, I think living in a community like that practices permaculture principles has like a spiritual aspect to it has a different education system um linked to it or or being practiced in the community and really connected communication and social structures within that community as well Mm -hmm. that's like something that i feel i would really like to live uh either create something like that or i know there's there's communities out there that that are doing that already so being a part of that yeah i think i feel really similarly yeah living on a community i guess like on a broader level like my wildest dreams is like everyone in the world is doing yeah (laughs) there's lots of little small communities that, that work for everyone and i yeah and i am a really realistic person in understanding that there's eight billion of us yeah you know so like obviously people are gonna live in cities and they're all gonna look quite differently but i guess like in my wildest dreams like people are connected to nature in the sense of Mm. they're growing their own food or they know where their food is grown or they know the farmer or they've been to the farm or they're growing some of it on their rooftops or in hydroponic systems in their apartment or Mm. something like that where like we're just reconnected to the life cycle um, of you know the food that's going into our body and where it's being grown and how it's being grown yeah <laughs> and no <laughs> native that. forest being lost yeah. and, you know there's stop a, putting stuff yeah, in the sea guys <laughs> no marine life being killed you know well um sign me up for your community yeah <laughs> yeah coming to live in there yeah you're welcome yeah um so when in the future you create this magical community and also just like to keep up to date with your workshops mm. where would you like to send people to find you on the online world mm. online world at the moment we've got 
Facebook and Instagram, which is incredible. We've actually done it. Um, and it's just Dean and Honey's Permaculture. Or Love Dean that. and Honey's Permaculture Events. Events. Yeah, events. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Dean and Honey's Permaculture Events. Yeah. And people um, can message you on there if they totally. want more information. Yeah. If, yeah. They, if you literally just want to talk about permaculture, <laughs> just send us a message. Like, How to you grow that one bean. <laughs> yeah. If you, like, actually, if you're going to go do, do that and grow one bean, like, give us, a, like, shoot us a message. Mm. We'll tell you. We'll give you, like, a recipe, like a step-by-step <laughs> instructional guide on how to grow a bean mm. why not you love know? It. yeah of course and and at the moment we're running a workshop a month and a permaculture working bee a month as well mm. permaculture working bee is free and welcome for anyone that yeah wants to come along and and practice permaculture with us in our garden we're usually implementing a some type of system or maintaining some type of system and yeah we we had our first one last month and had an awesome turnout and it was super fun yeah, yeah. it's so it's we built so a garden nice. bed and yeah. um, planted potatoes yeah it's so yeah. nice just like coming together in the garden it's amazing mm. and like everyone just really connected and there's a lot more chatting than gardening, <laughs> but um, we still got so much done at the same time. So That's that nice. I feel like people need need a good oh, chat. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was so yeah. it was so amazing how people lit up in the garden, just like connect. You know, it was all strangers, but mm. everyone was really connecting and and I think learning at the same time. So that mm. was really beautiful. That's yeah. lovely. Well, it's really inspiring. And uh, yeah, mm. thank you so much for like taking time today to have a chat. Mm. Yeah. It's been about incredible. All the mm. Yeah, I feel a lot clearer. Yeah. <laughs> clear on what you're doing. Clear on what I'm doing and yeah. why. It feels really, yeah, it feels yeah. really clear now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel really just like energized from like mm. hearing you talk. And that like, was a bit sleepy before, but I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> changing Let's the go. world. We're doing it. Yeah. We're just changing the world. Thank you. This is awesome um, thing you're doing. Yeah, sharing ideas and spreading the words. Great. Yeah, it's yeah. really, you. really inspiring. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today in this incredible chat and tuning in to Making Magic Real. It honestly lights up my heart so much and I love doing this. <laughs> It's so much fun and yeah, I'm so grateful you are listening and hope you're enjoying it. And yeah, if you feel like passing to a friend or sharing on socials, that would be incredible. Helps get the word out. There's so many incredible people in this podcast and have some really incredible people coming up. So yeah, I'm just so passionate about sharing people's stories. So thank you for supporting this journey and I hope you have a absolutely magical week and sending you love and a big hug. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.